time that wrong? Enough. Okay. No, it'll be fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll fix it in post. We'll do it live. <laughs> we'll do it live. Welcome, everybody. To What's up, Donors. everyone? What beer are you drinking for today's very fun and nostalgic episode? Oh, that's huh, not bad. Um, well, it's kind of difficult finding like a a beer relevant to like childhood nostalgia. I guess. Not a lot of beers for kids these days, I guess. Um, However, I found one that I was like, oh, dear God, this triggers one of the most obscure 90s reference. It's not even anything remotely to it. It just really triggered it for some reason. The logo is kind of similar to it. But uh, I'm drinking a beer called Tornado Shark. First off, it looks like children's artwork and shit. But the logo kind yeah. of resembles street, like sharks. street sharks <laughs> kids absolutely uh, for those that missed the 90s you missed this incredible <laughs> toy line and cartoon show called street sharks mutant sharks mm-hmm. mixed with gi joe it was amazing uh yeah so it's pretty good yeah um oh <laughs> I love those moments where uh, we see something on our beers that we didn't read previously. Um, it, yeah. So it's called an American Strong Ale. Okay, cool. That fits the logo, okay. but it's an 8.1. So I think that's what they actually mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not strong Arr. as in like big biceps, like strong as in yeah, you're about to get so fucked up. This is my beer. What are you drinking? Um, I am not as cool as you. I think that yours is better than mine, but I got went with one because so normally I, I'm excited about pretty much every episode we do. And I feel like the next episode is going to be so fun no matter what it is. But, and I try to not look past the episode we're doing for a future one, try to stay focused, but I'm not going to lie. It was a little <laughs> tricky last week with Ernest and I was so excited for this episode and I, I did kind of yeah. fall into that trap. And so I, my excitement for this topic and for this episode, I've been looking forward to it long for a long time and watching the movies definitely made me feel this way. So this beer is called Ooh, morale yeah. boost and it's from the copper Creek brewing brewing company it's an IPA. Uh, Copper Creek is out of Denver, Colorado. And uh, it's just a plain it's IPA, but good, it's pretty good, good, too. So boosting Hell my morale yeah. currently. Hell yeah. Uh, all right. So what... Uh, well, before we get uh, too far away from the beginning of the show, you should know that we are doing a giveaway currently. Currently open. And if you go to Instagram or the YouTube community page, I put a post out there, or moviebonus.com, there's a huge giveaway page, and we're giving away six months of free movie theater tickets. So uh, go over there and Instagram and all those places, and you can find the rules, mm-hmm. get signed up. Uh, you have two more weeks. It ends on the 31st of December at some point on the 31st, <laughs> whenever I decide to do the drawing. And... Uh, yeah, so get in there, get as many uh, entries as you can, and yeah, we appreciate it. We want to say thank yeah, you. And hope yeah, yeah, it's win. been a it's been a very fun ride. Uh, the past three years, it's kind of crazy knowing that we've been 
talking movie. I mean, we've been talking movies together for <laughs> like 16, 17 years, something yeah. like that now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Remember, yeah. Uh, but doing the show for the past few years <laughs> has been absolute joy. Can't wait for everything coming. So yeah. Thank you to everybody. Um, go tell everyone else like, Hey, listen to these two schmucks, you know, gush all over their, their favorite mm-hmm. movies. Cause that's what we do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if gush is the okay. right word when you tell somebody all that right. the show is called movie boners and you're like, right. Gush all over. You're correct. I should change the sound. phrase. <laughs> uh, you should go and tell your friends, listen to these two schmucks. Splooge all over, I think. Splooge <laughs> all over. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause that sounds better, Jake. That sounds better. Yeah. Good. Glad we cleared that up. All right. Let's do our last check-in on the movie draft for the year. Uh, only two weeks left of this bad boy at the time that we're recording this. I think one week left when this comes out on Christmas Eve. Um, yeah. So you are still in the lead. Yeah. Firmly in the lead almost, I would venture to say nothing significant has changed although it's possible you could even overtake me in the gross or yeah gross box office to win all three categories for the first time ever that's a possibility yeah come on wonka (laughs) wonka is getting pretty decent reviews honestly Mm -hmm. um on imdb and rotten tomatoes people seem to like it Aquaman is next to come out pretty soon, which is a wild card for you, but should help either way. And then Color Purple is uh, hopefully my saving grace, but <laughs> unlikely, I would say. It's a movie that I have yet to see like an actual advertisement for any kind of like, <laughs> we made yeah. this musical remake, reimagining mm-hmm. version. Uh, no one's really talking about it. It's a little weird, a little weird. Yeah, it is very weird um so yeah i think that i mean that's about where we're at yep wonka seems to be doing okay although the movies i'm most interested in the rest of the year were undrafted um and also partly not really in theaters Uh, i'm hoping to see the iron claw yeah yeah which looks really good and then i'm also very excited about Zack snyder's rebel moon even though early reviews look rotten but all of my favorite Zack snyder movies are rotten anyway so i don't really <laughs> think that that's a bad so not thing. too worried <laughs> yeah right now it seems like it's on par with what i like so we'll yeah, see yeah i am excited to see the iron claw i think that looks that looks like that's gonna be a heavy heavy movie to watch so mm-hmm. <laughs> merry christmas let's, <laughs> right let's watch a depressing family drama about wrestling what is it with like, I f- I'm sure this isn't quite accurate, but it feels accurate mm-hmm. or somewhat accurate. What is it about studios being like, you know what we need to do at Christmas time? Depressing <laughs> fucking movie right here. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. They did it with like, yeah, I don't know. Shit. It was a uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. Like that was their, their slogan mm-hmm. was like, come watch the most depressing Christmas movie ever and you're like <laughs> okay i guess i will and <laughs> that's why because it works it does work god we're fucked up <laughs> yeah yeah um so <laughs> and then 
what new stuff have you seen lately? All right. So I was very excited for both of the movies that I saw uh, this week. Uh, one was Nicolas Cage's next film. Dude, the dude has made so many movies this year. It's or in like the last couple of years, especially, but yeah. like theatrical, like he's in the spotlight and positive like in a positive way again. Uh, so I went and saw dream scenario and it was so weird, but it was <laughs> yeah. so good. You liked like, it? I really okay. liked it. I really liked it. There's a couple trippy moments on it that I was like, uh, a little stumbly right here, but it, that's okay. I mean, it's a 24. So you expect the story to get a little, like, oh, this is really weird all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I kind of feel like I have to agree with the hype over his performance. It's actually a pretty quiet performance from from Nicolas Cage. And okay. I feel that made it really fucking good. So, yes, Dream mm-hmm. Scenario. I enjoyed it very much. Very fun, weird, funny, sad, all of the good things. That's um, good because I was worried about it. Most of the things I've seen is that it's good, but then they'll say it's a lot like Bo is Afraid. And I was like, oh, no, that's kind of an off-putting. Oh, statement. no. See, I wouldn't agree with that because Bo is Afraid was trash. Uh, <laughs> and Dream Scenario, I feel like Dream Scenario had better pacing. It was just a better written story. Okay. Uh, sorry, Ari Aster, but Bo is Afraid sucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I really, really enjoy Dream Scenario. It has Good. some super funny moments in it. So, okay. um, yeah. And then I had to fi- like I was excited for it. I was looking forward to it. I was going to try and see it. And I did. Um, mm. I had to go and see Godzilla minus one to find out like, all right, let's see what what this talk is. Let's see what the excitement over this Godzilla is. And it's for real. That movie yeah. is fucking incredible like holy shit is it good (laughs) that's amazing it is so fucking good it's like it is a fantastic callback to that original godzilla which for you longtime movie boner fans you -hmm. know the original gojira is one of my all-time favorite monster films um this is this is kind of how remake slash reboots kind of should be mm-hmm. like it is the it is it's, it's so fucking good and the human story that's in it is incredible awesome story that takes you way off guard with all the different layers and subplots and yeah emotions. i heard it that i heard that people felt that it did a much better job of balancing what most people complain about in the american godzilla and kong movies yeah. recently is that there's the human story is is too much or or too little or too weird and they really just want monsters basically yeah. and and this one does a much better job balancing it i also heard that it was kind of more of a war epic and also makes a really good it's appropriate that it came out the same year as oppenheimer because it would make a good double feature i i yeah i found myself thinking that too um <laughs> I mean, you got to take a real hard left if you want to turn it into a double feature, <laughs> but I think you could. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was fantastic the whole time. I was just like, 
holy shit, this is so good. And Godzilla in it is huge. He's yeah. who is he beastly? <laughs> That's what you And want. it's true. It's true. The biggest thing that I think people have noticed or said, I can confirm the CGI in it is so much better than so much of the CGI we've gotten in like huge budget <laughs> films this year. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. The movie was made for fifteen million dollars, like whatever That's, the equivalency is. Yeah, and it's it's just a better movie than so many things that have come out. That's <laughs> it was fantastic. So good. Wow. <laughs> so hype is real on Godzilla minus one. Hype is real. okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, my only thing, only movie that I watched that was new this week. It is a movie, not a show. So finally, I was got one about down to be there. like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and not only is it a movie, but it's a movie that's on theme for today's episode because it's no very shit. appropriate. Uh, yeah. All right. It's a sequel to a movie I loved when I was a kid. I saw Good Burger 2. Oh, shit. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I've wanted it, to watch it so bad. Of all the unnecessary sequels that have ever been made, this might be the most unnecessary one, but it legitimately works so well. And Keenan and Kel are fantastic. Kel Mitchell is exactly who he was then. He <laughs> slips right into the little <laughs> smock that he was wearing, into the Slurpee machine, whatever it is he's doing, he's doing it right. It's fun. It's a fun time. I started out and I was like, this is weird for a second. And then I completely forgot. And I was like, I'm just watching Kenan and Kel. And they're trying <laughs> yes. to save Good Burger again. And uh, and it's also a really clever and relevant concept in the story for like today's time period, not just with restaurants and mm -hmm. And like automation of that, but also the AI stuff from the strikes recently. So it's, it's oh, very shit. clever. Yeah, I think they do a good <laughs> oh, job of making a dumb movie pretty clever. So I would check it out. If you like Good Burger, you will like it. I guarantee you will like cool. it because you like my, the original. My biggest concern, like I've been excited to watch it, but I, I will say a little concerned and worried mm -hmm. that it was either going to like try too hard or it was going to try and switch up the formula of Keenan and Kel <laughs> and, and Good Burger. And I was like, man, mm -hmm. I could see him totally fucking up. So to hear you say that, like, <laughs> nope, it, it's right where it needs to be. Like, yes. it's the same chemistry, the same formula. It's I'm just so happy. They're yes. now almost 40. So <laughs> <laughs> there's that. Good, good. Still having yeah. fun. Yeah. Good times. All right. Speaking of having fun, I can't believe you saw that before me. But good I know on you. Good I on you, it came out a while ago, and I was like, surely he will have seen it in one of these times. I just, dude, I got so busy trying to because, dude, the past like three top ten lists that we have done <laughs> for, I don't know. Yeah, I get so caught up in like, oh, dear God, I just remembered all these other amazing movies. Yeah. And then my my top 10, which I think is set, gets completely obliterated. And that happened like two days ago as well for me. Um, I can say this is the first list that I have actively consulted my mom and dad. Oh, about nice. like can you help me with this one <laughs> um and my dad completely 
blew up my list. He just started spouting movies and stuff out. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I essentially had to rewrite my whole top 10 about two days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I ha- kind of had that today where I was like, I put on this shirt. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's fun. I liked, you know, wrestling as a kid. And oh, you got Rock is My life, Modern Life over there. Nice. Um, I put it on. I was like, this will be appropriate. It's a wrestling shirt, wrestling I liked when I was little. And then I was like, and then I started remembering all of the dumb movies I watched that had Hulk Hogan in it. And I was like, shit. And, but I didn't have time to rewatch them. And so they'll just have to be honorable mentions. But yeah, there yeah. are a lot of them. My, uh, my honorable mentions list is bigger than my top 10, but don't worry guys. I'm not going to give you 20 movies. It's just, there's so many. Yeah. I could not, I, I couldn't get around to rewatching everything. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. But so this episode, do this. we, uh, so if you don't know, we grew up in the late 1900s. And when you say it like that, <laughs> it sounds like we're super fucking old, which we kind of are, but <laughs> There were some very special and very weird movies made around then. And also we were introduced to a tons of classics and old things. Mm-hmm. And, and I think no matter what generation you're from, when you're a kid, you just kind of latch onto something and watch it over oh, yeah. and over. And, and it speaks to you in some way, whether it's the hero or the adventure or the, the, you have a crush on the like damsel in distress or whatever you just latch onto it. And so we tried to choose our biggest movies that we watched when we were kids that kind of lean a little bit more obscure. At least for me, I did a lot of the obscure ones. Obviously I watched a lot of star Wars and Indiana Jones and back to the future Mm -hmm. and all that shit. But I tried to choose 10 of my favorites that were obscure or forgotten or ones that I don't know that anybody else watched because they were like a straight to video release or, or something like that. And uh, so they all have a special place in my heart. Uh, that's kind of what I went for. Yeah. I I tried to go that obscure route. Um, and then I couldn't go that obscure route because <laughs> my conversation with my dad, he was like, you actually didn't watch that one as often as you remember. You were just able to remember that movie pretty vividly. Um <laughs> So some of my list is is pretty on brand with me, I would say. Actually, the whole thing is on brand with me. I do have a couple that I feel people have completely forgotten about. My list, in my opinion, my list is all over the place. Now, I know I texted you, what, yesterday and mm-hmm. said that. And then you had a response that made me just be like, oh, dear God, my list is so normal. My list is nothing interesting. <laughs> And uh, and your response confirmed my suspicions. Yeah, yeah. I was like, his list is going to be just so wacky, so wacky. <laughs> it's going to be kind of wacky, but then I have a classic from 1938 on there also. So damn. I guess okay, that's kind of wacky of me to do as a kid. Also, I don't have a 1938. Um, yeah, I just I I have. Uh, I know I have. Definitely one, two, three. I have three definitely <laughs> that like no one's ever heard of. Okay. Uh, and that makes me sad. And people need to hear of them because they were fantastic. So I'm psyched for that. Yeah, yes. I said all of those too. <laughs> all right. I went last first last time, so you go first this time. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. 
Oh man, nostalgia hit hard with this list, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, my number ten. Um, this actually does have a pretty big like lead in. So let, let let's see how do I wear that. Uh, so Disney it's is obsessed with remaking their animated classics and completely fucking ruining them. Yeah. Um, Facts. But. This is not the first time they've remade their films into a live action film. In fact, they did it in 1994 uh, with uh, a pretty awesome cast. You had Sam Neill was in it. You had Carrie Yules in it. Um, you had Jason Lee was in it. And you had uh, a very young, very unknown Lena Headey, which was crazy because I forgot she was in it. And she's like one of the main characters. Okay. But. In 1994, Disney released this live action adaptation of the Jungle Book. Mm. Uh, The animals don't talk. Yeah, the animals don't talk. There's no like weird magic stuff. It's just it's Mowgli as a man who kind of gets reintroduced to humans again after uh, he's gotten lost as a child because of an attack by Shere Khan. It's such. I remember that movie so vividly as a kid and just being like kind of awe, like in awe of the imagery and just the wild, like the size of the animals and how they interacted with with the humans in the film, the actors. Uh And it's one of the hardest fucking movies to find like a physical (laughs) copy of. So anytime that I come across it, because it's also hard to find online, at least for someone like me. Yeah, I'm sure everyone that knows how to watch movies online is like, dude, I typed a couple things and here it is. But this movie is awesome. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, it's super 90s. So there's some weird like animatronic puppetry that doesn't quite work out <laughs> in mm-hmm. reality, but it doesn't matter because the movie's still badass. Uh, it's such a cool coming of age story, especially for Mowgli because it's not your typical coming of age. It's more of him just kind of learning his own identity, which is kind of a deep subject. And yeah. one that I never really realized as a kid, but rewatching it as an adult, I was like, dude, this movie's fucking, it's even cooler to me as a 36 year old man. So I was so excited. This was one of the first movies that crossed my mind when we were talking about doing this list. Mm-hmm. And the moment I rewatched it, dude, I was like, yeah, there is not a chance in hell because I remember watching it over and over again. There wasn't a shot in hell. I was not going to have this on this list. So if you can find it, if you have seen it, good on you. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I do remember it being incredible. I watched it when I was a kid as well. I was so confused when you were talking about the cast because you were like, Jason Lee is in it. I was like, that's random because I thought you were talking about... Or not about... Jason Lee. Yeah, It is Jason Lee. It's <laughs> it Jason's... is Jason Lee, but not the Jason's... one you think... Yeah, it's Jason Scott Lee, who's a uh, Hawaiian <laughs> Chinese guy. He was in the Bruce Lee story movie. He's Mowgli. Not Jason Lee, the skateboarder slash dude from Mallrats. Uh, <laughs> right, <not> right. <laughs> but yeah, it is really, really good. And I do think I'm not surprised it holds up. I should revisit it, though, because it's been a really long time. Oh, it was so good. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. My number 10 is also extremely unknown, I think. I don't even know. My parents had this on like VHS and they showed it to me and nobody I've ever talked to has seen it before. I don't know if you've heard of it, so we'll find out. 
is from 1985, and it's called Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Remo Williams. Doesn't sound well. The adventure begins sounds familiar, but not that first part. It's got Fred Ward in it and Wilford Brimley, and uh, it's about this guy, this cop played by Fred Ward. He is basically a policeman that, un, un, not on purpose, kind of somebody forces him to appear to have been killed. And he gets rescued by these this group of dudes who use that opportunity to fake his death and recruit him into this like secret organization that operates outside of the law. And so okay. they basically are intended to protect the country and protect the Constitution, but they're a very small group, a secret organization and they recruit him to be an assassin. And the whole point of the organization is to keep uh, keep the people that are above the law accountable. So like judges and politicians and CEOs and things, there are people that the law can't touch. And so they have this organization that goes and, and is outside the law and brings them to justice basically. And so they recruit Fred Ward to be uh, assassin they give him the name remo williams and then he goes into training for about half of the movie with this uh <laughs> korean guy and it's funny re-watching it the korean guy is like a korean supremacist if that's a thing because he literally <laughs> says like koreans are the perfect creature and they sanctify the earth with the imprint of their feet and all this stuff and that so he doesn't he thinks koreans are perfect but he also thinks that this martial art that he knows is the martial art that all others kung fu karate all of these other ones have like been born out of so it's like the original pure like okay it, like uh, martial art and so he teaches him that and it's it's kind of comic booky almost to the point where he like he trains his body to a place where he can literally dodge bullets he can nice. run on water and so it just most of the movie half of the movie at least is him training and there's a lot of really good like um practical stunts and he's climbing up really oh, tall cool. things he climbs up a ferris wheel and like goes all the way around and climbs down and stuff climbs up the uh, Statue of Liberty has a fight on there with a bunch of guys who are trying to like bump him off. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty fun. It's not quite as exciting as I remember when I was a kid, but I was super into like training montages when I was a kid. And this movie is like <laughs> half of that. So I get why I liked it so much. <laughs> the villains themselves are not really intimidating and not in most of the movie. Um, but it, 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 if you haven't heard of it, I would check it out. You should be aware, though, even though it's called and The Adventure Begins, it did not get a sequel. And uh, that's the only movie in the series. <laughs> Apparently, it's based on a pulp series of books called The Destroyer. Uh, I don't okay. know if anybody's heard of that, but that's kind of their goal, I guess. I was uh, you, you brought up like training montages and the 80s especially 80s action films or 80s sports films oh, yeah. are like 
renowned for their montage sequences. So I can only imagine an obscure uh, <laughs> 80s adventure action mm-hmm. about vigilante assassins. Oh, man. I was <laughs> looking it up. The name sounds like it still kind of sounds familiar. I know I've never actually watched it. I think I think it only sounds familiar because one of the covers they had on the photos, mm-hmm. I think I saw that cover when I worked at that video store yeah. way back in the day. So totally. uh, I saw where it's streaming. So there's a chance I might watch that one because that <laughs> sounds fun. <laughs> it is streaming for free on Freebie and Tubi, it looks like. So yeah, yeah. good luck with that. Um, yeah. Well, that's fantastic, Jake. All right. My number nine. Uh, it's the first genuinely childish film on my all time okay. childhood films. Uh, <laughs> this became like this movie became kind of a tradition, especially for my dad and I, because we would always watch it on the first day of summer or like the mm. last day of school or whatever together. And then of course, being a kid, you just always want to watch it. So I just always watched it, but this movie has like an actual kind of tradition to it. Um, which is fun, but we grew up. So we still got to watch like classic Looney Tune cartoons before it all got canceled. And like (laughs) people freaked out over some of their jokes, but we also grew up with the tiny tunes, which was like our generation version, which was still kind of like just (laughs) as edgy i guess you could say with some of the jokes yeah. they, they had but uh i feel like there they was tried this... to be more edgy because they're like hey look it's a baby bugs bunny who's well, now well, being more violent <laughs> they're like they're like teenage version like they're, they're little adolescent kids yeah. uh so yeah we grew up with tiny tunes and in the 90s i think it was 93 uh they made a tiny tunes feature film called tiny tune adventures how i spent my vacation And this movie is one that I still quote to this day. And my dad and I together will quote this movie to this day uh, to the point where my mom, every time we do quote it, she always chuckles and rolls her eyes and is like, I can't believe you two still can like memorize this film. (laughs) We're both, we watched it so much, but tiny tune adventures (laughs) is it's like an anthology is, film. I can't stop laughing. This is exactly what I hoped this episode would be. <laughs> yes. But it, it's like this point, anthology point film. Point of order, though. Point of order, though. It has a 7.9 on IMDb, so you're not wrong. <laughs> yes, because it's fucking awesome. It's so good. You've got <laughs> you've got Plucky, who kind of like guilt trips his way onto... Uh, uh, Hammy's family road trip vacation to Happy World Land, which is kind of like the the <laughs> Tiny Toon Adventure version of National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah. Um, you've got Buster and Babs Bunny who get into this water fight that escalates so far out of control that they like flood Warner Brothers, like the mm. world essentially, and oh. wind up meeting a group of possums that want to only eat bunnies. It's kind of reminiscent of Deliverance. Um, <laughs> Elmira, Elmira, her family takes her to a, a, a safari where she decides that she wants kitties and terrorizes the animals. 
uh, the jokes, the slapstick humor, there's like movie jokes in it where they go and see this movie called skunked. And there's a kid who can't shut the fuck up during the whole movie. They do that as a big joke. I, this movie, every joke in this film is perfect. Every, everything in this movie is perfect. And especially if you grew up in the nineties, all the references are even better. And I'm sorry, uh, newer generation, but about 90% of the jokes would really piss you off because you'd be like, this is so insensitive, but it was fucking <laughs> hilarious as it should have been. I yeah. love this movie so much. It's so, it's just, it's awesome. And it has a surprise cameo in it too, but I won't spoil that because you should just go find it and watch it. Okay. <laughs> I will definitely do that because this sounds amazing and looks amazing. I've never heard of it. I haven't seen any of the Tiny Toon feature films. I only watch like the show. Oh my god. They like they ended up kind of splitting it and re-editing the film to be like serialized on TV. So it's like okay. I think the versions that you find now is like a three-part extended mm. episode, I think is what they call it now, but when I saw it, it was a feature feature-length film. Yeah. And it's just oh my god. It's so <laughs> so good the happy world land jake when you see the happy world land sequence yeah. you might be in pain from laughing so hard because <laughs> of the absurdity it's okay. perfect <laughs> i cannot wait that sounds amazing uh well my number nine is is a movie that i feel like every kid who was a kid in the 90s had to have seen and you may have forgotten that it existed so the memory is going to come flooding back in a second. It's not obscure at all. I don't think uh, my number nine is the Indian in the cupboard. I knew this was on your list. I fucking knew this was on your 100%, list. 100%. <laughs> it's, it's a movie about toys coming to life and it came out the same year as toy story, but I feel like this movie is even deeper and better than toy story. Hot take. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> directed by Frank Oz, who, of course, we love from the Muppets uh, and, and a bunch of other stuff. And and it's about this kid, the weirdest, <clears throat> most dorky kid you've ever seen, who has the a name that'll get you beat up, I think, in the 90s. His name is Omri, O-M-R-I, Omri. Um, yeah. He... he uh, Anyway, he has a birthday, and for his birthday, he gets a bunch of random things. His brother gives him a random cupboard he found in the alley or something, and then his friend gives him a little toy Indian, and uh, his mom has like a bunch of random keys. Then they find a key that fit the cupboard, and it was one that his like, grandma had. And then for some reason, that selection of things created this magical moment where any toy he would put in the cupboard, and when he locked it, it would come to life and animate. And so he puts the Indian in the cupboard, obviously, and he opens it and it comes out as a real Indian who is a real person that talks to him. It's just still, you know, three inches tall or whatever. And ha believes he has this whole history in life. Like he was just transported from, you know, the middle America um, or whatever it was called before it was America. And he has this whole like friendship with him, but then, the movie's weirdly, I don't know, it's its very mature, I felt like, when I was watching it. I, of course, I have my 36-year-old eyes on, and uh, 
And I'm like, this poor kid, he has like suddenly all this responsibility of taking care of this tiny little man. And, and the, he like gets attacked by a bird and he starts bleeding. And so he has to like figure out how to help him. And he puts a little medic toy in the thing and has the medic heal him up and stuff. It's really, he's a really clever kid and it's really fun. But then his dumb fucking friend uh, <laughs> who he tells he tells about the, the cupboard and he says, don't put anything else in there. And then it goes for, away for two seconds and comes back and he's putting in a, a cowboy. And he's like, no, I really want this cowboy. And so he does. And then, of course, they fight and it's a whole thing. But I feel like this kid has to put up with so much, he like has to take on so much responsibility and grow up like kind of quickly all of a sudden. Uh, and it's it's so it's a good movie it's a really good movie and really heartfelt and really exciting but also very kind of has a lot of dark moments like particularly the part where he wants to give his little indian friend a bow so he puts another indian in to get his bow from him and when he opens the door and takes the bow away it's like this old man and he starts like freaking out that there's this giant child in the sky <laughs> like a deity and has a heart attack and dies and so this Poor young boy just killed this man. He murdered an old man <laughs> and then has to live with that and has to deal with that this whole time. I forgot about the old man dying. Yeah. And yeah, and the Indian, his I probably friend, shouldn't be laughing, but the Indian, his friend, like, he's like, you should not use magic. You don't understand. Like, you are a child. You are not a god. Like, yeah, it, it gets dark, but it's a great movie. And uh, I watched it and it's still really good. So. I would recommend it. Uh, I had forgotten a lot about it, honestly, other than that fact that he puts the Indian in the cupboard and uh, and then puts a bunch of other random toys in there and brings them to life. But it was it was fun. Yeah, I would, I would recommend it. I remember when that movie came out, it was like a I always felt it was like a surprise hit when it came out. Yeah. It was such a I mean, what it was up against, it was never going to to win that fight going up against now i i would differ on you though because having seen both having been a fan of both mm -hmm. uh, i still side with toy story just because i think the the story between woody and buzz is still a pretty incredible story of like getting I mean, over nice. yourself yeah i guess <laughs> i guess it's nice oh shut up you know it's good <laughs> But Indian in the Cupboard, I remember that was one of those movies that prepping for this list made me realize there are so many movies in mm -hmm. our childhood um, <laughs> where <laughs> like everyone just saw these movies everywhere they went. And I remember Indian in the Cupboard was one of those films where you watched it at your house with your family and then you go to mm -hmm. a friend's house and they'd be like, I just got Indian in the cupboard on VHS. Let's watch this. Maybe not verbatim like that, but that's what it yeah. was. And then in school, it'd be like, we're going to have a movie day. We're going to watch the Indian in the cupboard. Yeah. I realized there were so many movies in the nineties that it was just like this collective society thing. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't even pop culture. In my opinion, it was just like, this is what we did as right. a people. Right. Everyone watched these specific movies. All the fucking time. <laughs> right. Well, I think part of that is you have no streaming. And so you have a limited, sure. what you have is what you have. And maybe you go yeah. rent one once a week uh, at most, but that's kind of it. And then also 
your kids. You have a very limited selection of family-friendly oh, yeah. movies. And so th these small list of movies are the ones I'm just going to keep watching over and over and over. <laughs> right, right. But it, it did get me to think because I honestly don't think we have had that kind of movie where it was just like collectively everyone just watches this all the time. Everyone can quote it. Everyone knows yeah. it. Uh, since like Remember the Titans, that may have been the last like yeah. not pop culture-y, but just like this weird society embraced by thing. the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a bummer. I think we need to bring that back. So our these 20 films people go watch them share them and overwatch <laughs> them like we did because it's good for you yeah yeah <laughs> it's fun times that being said my number eight i think jake you are going to be very proud for this one because you and i have talked about this guy in a previous episode earlier this year where yeah. we both talked about how important kung fu films were to us Ooh, yeah. and there is no other man who whose movies were like the ghost so well regarded in the 90s, yeah. especially, especially for our generation. Um, but this is one that I remember just like instantly clutching on to and mm -hmm. just loving from the get go. Jackie Chan's first strike is oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I I think first strike. And really all of his movies, but First Strike in particular mm -hmm. might have made a bigger impact on me and practicing my Kung Fu skills <laughs> when I was like a child in the 90s. And even the Turtles did or really anyone else or any other movie. But Jackie Chan's First Strike is special because mm -hmm. it's it's his first English speaking film, which is funny because he actually like it's all horribly dubbed even right. the english speaking actors who are speaking in english it's the <laughs> dubbing is so off but that's what makes half the fun yeah but the stunts in this movie are still i just watched it a few days ago just to confirm that it's on my list and i'm like <laughs> the stunts in this movie are still bonkers no wonder yeah. as a kid when i'm watching jackie chan flip a freaking ladder around his head and yeah. using it as a weapon like i'm not gonna lie i had a moment watching it where it was like i should try that no <laughs> no you should not <laughs> yeah the latter is exactly what i was thinking of when you said that <laughs> but it's just it's so much fun and and jackie chan became like he's so iconic which is funny to say that he was so iconic in the <laughs> 90s especially for us like because he had mm -hmm. been around since the 70s yeah i mean Drunken Master is one of my all-time favorite kung fu films just in general. And that was like 74 or some shit like that. Mm -hmm. But First Strike was just... It's special, too, because this was another one that I shared with my dad. You know, my dad introduced me, got me into Jackie Chan films. So there, there's definitely that father-son nostalgia there. But it holds up, in my opinion, man. I still like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a movie that makes a 36-year-old man still think to himself, like, God, that'd be so cool to do stunts like this. That'd be so cool to, <laughs> to you know, drop kick a dude with, with some mm -hmm. uh, uh, stilts right in the face. That'd be amazing. 
Yeah. Of course, saying that I'm like, I have a hard time just getting off the couch without groaning and creaking and <laughs> popping. So <laughs> Kung Fu is yeah. probably out of my league, but out of the question. Yeah. Yeah. But Jackie's <laughs> like, and they call him Jackie throughout the film. His whole, he goes from just being in China, trying to like capture this one guy. He gets kind of uh, forced to work with this Russian police force who end up being kind of corrupt big shocker there and uh <laughs> and he like gets mixed up with a chinese russian gang war that's going on and it's just mm-hmm. it goes from china to russia to australia and it's got some of the best gags the funniest like just some of the funniest bits and some of the coolest martial arts ever i just first strike is staple for my childhood yeah i think that uh mid to late eight nineties was kind of peak Jackie Chan, at least in my life. Yeah. Uh, First strike was great. I kind of watched uh, who am I over and over. Mm-hmm. And of course, I know I think that was 98 and then rush hour, of course, when he came to the States more. Oh yeah. But all of the all, first strike is great. All of the police story movies are great. And uh, <laughs> you don't really have to watch them in order. It's also hard to watch them in order because first strike is the fourth movie. So <laughs> you don't really know <laughs> what you're doing you just start throwing them on and you're gonna have a good time it's true you are gonna have a good time and you know what Mm -hmm. we need we need bloopers back in the end credits right i completely we need bloopers back i was like finishing a film off and as the credits are going you're just playing like the behind the scenes the blooper reels it just seems to like it makes you feel so much better and just yeah. you're you're happier. You're like it's more entertain it elevates the movie. I'm like, dude, fucking bring back bloopers. I <laughs> yeah. seriously. And you if you <laughs> play all the times that you tried to do something and you got it wrong or you made a mistake, it's just, it just makes you appreciate how well it worked in sequence yeah. that much more. Yeah, I completely agree. It was much more fun time. We should do that. We should. Um, we should. My number eight is the Jackie Chan of the 30s, I guess. <laughs> That's going to be my transition. Uh, from 1938, starring the great Errol Flynn, for all of you. Oh, there it is. Okay. All of you grandparents <laughs> out there who know who Errol Flynn is. He was in a lot of great swashbuckling movies like the Seahawk and Captain Blood and a lot of pirate movies. But particularly for me, uh, he is in, I think, the quintessential version of Robin Hood. And I watched The Adventures of Robin Hood over and over and over again. The sword fights are spectacular. The whole, as soon as you start the movie, it's just a vibe. Like people talk about vibes now and they're always talking about like, electronic music and dark neon and all this bullshit no fucking a handwritten title card with calligraphy and everybody's name that's ever been involved in the movie playing for the first 15 minutes before any actual pictures start showing those 30s movies i think is a super vibe and so it took me back immediately when i put it on and i think that there's just something about obviously there's been a million Robin Hood movies, but I do think that this is one of the best. 
And I think that there's just something about the scene where Robin carries the king's deer on his shoulders and right into the throne room, essentially. And then when you're watching it as like a young boy and he throws that deer down, we didn't know what big dick energy was when we were kids. But <laughs> in the 90s, that wasn't a thing. But he had it. And what a fucking stud he was. I mean, the bravery to walk into the king's like living room and know basically that he's more skilled than everybody there, more cunning, more clever than everybody there. And, and so he has no reason to be afraid. And it was just so inspiring as like this quintessential hero that, that had that courage and that bravery to, to mm -hmm. go into that room. And then also, you know, stand up for what's right, stand up for what he believes in and, and help these people and, and it was just it was just great so i think it's it's a great balance of adventure which you're super into when you're a young boy and then also it's a good romance if you're into that thing as you get a little older um I, I, you enjoy it as a kid and then you enjoy it as you start maturing and it stands the test of time so if you have never seen adventures of robin hood from 1938 i highly recommend it yeah i'm sure a lot of people are probably like 1930s what <laughs> Work the dinosaurs around at that time because it kind of feels <laughs> like that sometimes yeah um yeah the the errol Flynn films are like they are iconic they're kind of their own like genre almost because it's not just adventure films or whatever it's mm -hmm. they're his films like he was the genre uh yeah adventures of robin hood robin hood was a big character for us like, yeah. just that character alone was huge for <laughs> 80s and 90s kids i mean you had the, i'm gonna the spoil airplane. things uh I, it's not the only robin hood movie on my list <laughs> <laughs> i'm so happy to hear that um because it, it i'm assuming i'm assuming it's an honorable mention for me so we'll get to that uh <laughs> um but yeah robin hood is so iconic and uh, and i feel like I'm going to exclude men in tights just because that's like parody and the satire and stuff. Sure. Uh, even though it's still the heart of Robin hood, but in my opinion, there's like only three actually just great, like genuinely great Robin hood films. And one of them is about a Fox. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I love your pick and I am not surprised by that <laughs> at all at all. Well. All right. Well, my number seven is also not from our generation, but it's from a couple decades before us. Um, but this guy's style of comedy, his the the kinds of movies that he was in, particularly his solo stuff, um, those were always a big deal for me as a kid. And there was always two in particular. And this was one that like I had to ask my dad about to kind of help mm -hmm. me clarify which one, because my personal favorite of here of his was one that I didn't actually watch a lot until I got older. So mm -hmm. I had to go with the one that I watched the most as a kid. <laughs> um, but Jerry Lewis. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was just a like a force to be reckoned with in my opinion his just the way he played his characters i know he kind of was like crazy burned out on playing essentially <laughs> the same guy over and over and over again 
Yeah. But I, I fucking love the Jerry Lewis films and, and I do love the ones that him and Dean Martin made together. I think their partnership was fantastic, mm-hmm. but movies like disorderly, disorderly orderly and the nutty professor are the two biggest ones for me. So I had to put the nutty professor on this one. It's just that movie is, it's just one of the coolest, most fun, enjoyable, weird, silly, hilarious, like truly heartfelt films. I think ever made, (laughs) it Mm -hmm. might be one of the sweetest movies ever, uh, which is ironic because when he's buddy love, he's a complete prick. Like he's a (laughs) douche in every sense of the word. He's just an asshole. Um, but the the heart of the story of Professor Kelp just trying to like better himself, but going about the wrong way of doing it. I, I love the story of the Nutty Professor, but the the movie is just so. I think I'll always love that movie. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm gonna like die just still either quoting it or thinking about some of the gags that are in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this movie Nutty Professor meant a lot to me as a kid. It just and I really did watch it probably too many times. Uh, I got to try to find it. I even have a picture for Halloween one year. I dressed up as Professor Kelp. No way. And like I was full on character. So I had like the bad <laughs> hunch and like everything. I was full on Professor Kelp. If so, you could find it, I'll put it on Instagram. That would be amazing. Yeah, I got to try and find that picture because it's amazing. Um, <laughs> I just I, I love this movie so much. It, it's and, and it's one thing that I learned about rewatching this all these movies, Jake, and I don't know if this happened to you. It kind of sounds like it, it did a little bit with your, your previous picks We're like watching it with the, you know, mid thirties eyes mm-hmm. and kind of catching more stuff with it, or just kind of like falling in love with the movie all over again. This was more than just like trip down memory lane for me. This was like, Oh, these are, yeah, this is like, <laughs> this is true nostalgia to me. This isn't just yeah. a fun little, like, Ooh, member berries. This is like, Ooh, mm-hmm. these are good. <laughs> these are super yeah. good. I definitely had a couple <laughs> yeah. that I was like, these are not good. And it's more member berries than anything. But most of them, I was like, yeah, this is really good. And I definitely had good yeah. taste and connected. <laughs> like, deeper, go me. Yeah. Connected to a deeper story, <laughs> I think, which is telling and kids these yeah. days, I think would still enjoy them. Oh yeah. So that's my number seven. That's great. Um, I was watching the trailer on IMDb while you were talking and it says like multiple times, like do not reveal the middle of this picture to anybody. Like don't tell people <laughs> what's hap- what happens in this movie. It's a really funny, I think it's cause it's like, they kind of treat it as if it's a Dr. H- Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of a situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's more not, it's more of a dork and a suave guy. Um, <laughs> sorry. The trailer guys from 1963. I kind of oh man, the movie, it's but... okay. I I spoiled it too by calling out the characters' names. So, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Suave kind of gives it away. But kids, um, go watch Jerry Lewis films because they're amazing. They are. They all are. <laughs> um, my number seven is kind of one of those movies that I rewatched and hadn't seen since I was a kid, and was amazed at how good it was. Um, so it's from 1997, classic period of our lives. And, and it, it's a movie based on the guy that created a TV show I watched a bunch as a kid. So when I was a kid, there was this like nature show called Wild America. 
And yes, the, yes. Uh, the opening of the show is like yes. there's all this animal stuff, and then these two rams would or bighorn sheep would oh. run towards each other and bang their heads together. And I just remember that so vividly. And then the movie came out called Wild America with Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who was in a bunch of movies back then, and Devin Sawa, who's in a bunch of movies back then. And uh, those them two and Scott Barstow play three brothers, and they're basically the brothers that created that show or marty went on to create that show and uh and it's a really good movie so i think these three brothers that just love animals their whole family is around animals they have like owls and deer and stuff that have like injured themselves and they're taking care of them and healing them and um and stuff but they also really like filmmaking and so they have like a handheld home camera and they put their little brother in dangerous situations and drop him from heights and put him underwater and throw uh, fireworks in there and stuff and film like little, little action scenes, little stunts and stuff, and then play them back for their friends uh, on this old silent, you know, reel to reel film camera. And, uh, and the whole movie is basically about them going on a road trip together and getting in different situations. And, and Jonathan Taylor Thomas is the younger brother. Who's like, not quite old enough to be doing all of these things, but he's hanging <laughs> right. around his brothers and getting in these dangerous situations. And, uh, and yeah, they meet some girls along the way. They get in a bunch of dangerous situations with alligators and bears and stuff. And it's just and a moose. I remember yeah. the moose. Yeah. The moose, yeah, <laughs> the riding the moose. It's a very fun time. Danny Glover makes an appearance as like a mystical spirit kind of guy. He just disappears. He's really, really good. Um, it's a really great family movie. Like it, I, I haven't watched a lot of PG movies in a really long time, but I was like, this is a great movie. And especially I think for a young boys just loving the adventure of it. Um, it, it was really, really good. So I've, I was like, I should have watched this more over the last, you know, 20 years. I'm sad. I didn't dude. I, with, with like this whole big push from, uh, like the importance of physical media and stuff and, and rewatching all these movies. There were a lot that I was like, this is on my list of one to try and find to mm -hmm. add. Uh, it It's an honorable mention for me. So thank you for striking one of my like 20 <laughs> off. Thank <Good>. God. <laughs> um, but this is one. Yeah. I remember watching this. I didn't watch it all the time. Mm -hmm. But I remember the first time watching it and just being like, this is so much fun. Like, mm -hmm. because in the 90s, we write, I mean, well, maybe not everybody, <laughs> but my family, and I can only assume your family, especially yeah. since you kind of said it already. Yeah, you would gather around the TV for Wild America. And that opening was so incredible. You waited for the bighorn sheep to, yeah. to butt heads. And it was so like it was a unique style of education in in nature and wildlife because it wasn't like boring. It was right. you actually learned and you could actually like you felt you kind of fell in love with nature. Yeah. Um, I don't think yeah, we really have anything that. like that anymore. So uh, probably not since the crocodile hunter left us. Yeah. R.I.P. Steve. R.I.P. Steve. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a great pick, Jake. I'm so glad you brought that up. That really I'm was glad you've heard of it. That's great. Oh my God. Not only heard of it, saw it, saw it. And I Love remember it. being like, I mean, as a kid, when you watch wild America, the movie, mm. you were like, this is exactly what it was. And everyone's like, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> like, 
not even a little bit, guys. But <laughs> but I, I think the if I remember right, uh, I remember them doing a great job of like still kind of getting the point of the love of nature and wildlife mm-hmm. across and just like you understood where the obsession yeah. came from, like the healthy obsession. Yeah. Um, what a great pick, Jake. <laughs> so awesome. Well, that's an easy segue for me because my number six is also a movie about animals and people. Okay. Um, but mine takes place, it was made in like the 50s and takes place in the 30s, if I remember right. Um, I always get the timeline mixed up. Uh, but mine is a very what I find to be unknown John Wayne, in my opinion, classic. It's okay. a classic to me, but like no one's ever fucking Shit. heard of it. And that makes me sad. Yeah. Um, but I think it's because it's not a Western. He plays <laughs> the head of this like real small crew out in Africa. Africa. Fuck. I love this movie. Who knows like what you're talking about. They capture animals for zoos back in the States or in Africa. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like, it's real wild animals that they interact with. Uh, no mm. animals were harmed. Don't worry. Like a lot of care. <laughs> it's like this three hour. I don't want to call epic because it's not. It's just this unique film called Hatari. Hatari. And Hatari. And it's just something about it when I saw it as a kid. I think it started mm. off with the animals. It's in particular, the rhino. I remember yeah. the rhino being the sequence that I was like latched to instantly because mm-hmm. it was so cool to see this rhino running and like slamming into the Jeep and like they play and the, the whole car, thing like the Jeep that they're on and like how the seat is ex- like yeah. extended out for them to sit on with the little pole and you're so exposed to that horn. It's <laughs> like it's all up. danger. Um, yeah. Hence the title of the film. Uh, yeah, this movie just like I was obsessed with this movie. Still am. It's sitting right there. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the at the binding right now. Uh, <laughs> it's such a cool movie too because it not only is it like just about the animals, but you learn some cultural stuff of like the African tribe that's like near their their little compound, their little uh, holding area, and it's just it's a unique film and there's a little yeah. bit of a romance in it out of nowhere with a photographer that, that gets invited down. Yeah. Um, you could see some cool interactions with a cheetah and one of the most enjoyable, silly sequences involving baby elephants. It's mm-hmm. so much fun. I, it, I it's such Red a Buttons. weird movie. Red buttons <laughs> character pockets was always my favorite. It, yes. Pockets is amazing. Um, and it's hilarious when he gets drunk and tries to hit on hit on the photographer. Uh, <laughs> I remember when they're trying to like Roxy when I was a kid. Okay, was like she's uh, she's not uh, just when you were a kid. She is still very Foxy. I was like, I know Jake and I did our uh, top ten movie crushes a while back, and I was like, yeah. I may have fucked up again. <laughs> She had like an Audrey Hepburn vibe. I don't know who what who she was, but it wasn't her. Yeah, but. the accent is really pretty. She's just like she's gorgeous. 
I can't even yeah. remember the actress's name, but Hatari is just such a, I feel like unknown film. Mm-hmm. So it makes me happy that you know <laughs> what oh, movie I'm talking I've about. I've seen it, every, every John Wayne movie pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Hatari is just, it's not really about one thing. It's just like this timeline mm-hmm. of just them trying to like find some animals and just kind of go about their business and how they handle dangerous situations or health mm-hmm. issues, you know, someone getting gored by the rhino um, and just how they interact with the animals. It's really unique. It's really cool. So yeah. love Hatari. Love it. That's that's great. <laughs> yeah. That takes me back for sure. I watched that so much. Uh, okay. My number six is, is, is a legit kids movie. Um, it's, although it's kind of like the animal house of kids movies or camp kids movies. Or maybe yep. okay. Wait a minute. There's a couple. Maybe accepted is more of an appropriate uh, analogy. So my number six is a movie called Camp Nowhere, and yeah. it <laughs> it has the uh, the great uh, Christopher Lloyd in it. He's obviously most famous for his Doc Brown character. But watching this, I was like, he is absolutely incredible in this film because he plays he plays a guy who used to be a drama teacher and then. And then, so it's a weird premise for the movie. So all of these kids, apparently it's a thing or was a thing that they all get sent to summer camp during the summer. And that's like their parents escape from them. And they would, they would all send them to camps. They didn't even want to go to for like four, eight, six to eight weeks during the summer. (laughs) And so, and they're all forced to go to ones that they hate. So like there's a rebellious kid who's forced to go to like a military discipline camp. And then there's a, there's a hot girl who's supposed to forced to go to like a theater camp to be an actress. And then there's a, there's a girl who's like the most normal looking girl you've ever seen, like (laughs) perfectly normal. And her mom tries to send her to a fat camp again. uh, and, (laughs) And she's like put on this diet and stuff. It's the weirdest thing. But and then the main character is trying to go to a computer camp or doesn't want to go to computer camp. And they come up with this scheme that these camps are crazy expensive. Their parents spend like $5,000 each to send them their kids away for six to eight weeks. And so they decide that they'll rent their own camp and just hang out there for the summer away from their parents and not have to do anything crazy. But they need an adult to help them sell it. And so they get Christopher Lloyd, the drama ex-drama teacher, to do it. And he basically, he's great. He plays like the guy who's kind of down on his luck and is easily convinced to do it for money. But then he has to play like the theater director and then the military director and all of these different characters. He does such a good job. And then pretend to be their dad when they go to town and they get a broken leg or whatever and all this stuff. Um, <laughs> It's a pretty darn fun movie. I remember it being like kind of taboo and sexy when I was a kid, like sexier than it should be for a movie I was allowed to watch. And it really isn't. I don't know why I got that impression. I mean, there is a kid that brings like play pen magazine and there's some there's kids that like make out. They have this camp. Yeah. And a, a bunch of kids go because the the word gets out that they don't have like they're going to their own camp and all this stuff. Same thing is accepted. But the, so there's a bunch of kids that like make out and they don't, they're not supervised. I guess that's the allure is that they're, 
they're unsupervised all summer. They can do whatever they want. They have a bunch of money. They end up like having a bunch of toys delivered to them and a bunch of stuff and eating junk food every day. And it's just a fun time. Um, it's also fun to see Tom Wilson, who's also in Back to the Future as Biff, also in this movie. He's the sheriff who like investigates them for a disturbance and stuff. Uh, so it, it was a fun movie to revisit for sure. I think that I think it's definitely a good one. Um, I'll, I'll watch it again. I didn't. I remembered it being a little bit different than it was, but it definitely wasn't bad. It was really really fun. Yeah, I I get what you mean with uh, as a kid thinking it was a little edgier or taboo. Yeah, because I feel like Camp Nowhere and Heavyweights. Yeah. were like the two big 90s camp movies that came out that were marketed as family films, but there was a lot of jokes or like sequences that as a kid, you're like, oh, no, I should not see this with my parents. <laughs> and your parents were probably like, what are we watching? Yeah. In fact, I remember my mom saying that exact phrase with about 100% of the shit that <laughs> we watched. Um, <laughs> yeah. Why are you watching it? Why is your dad letting you watch this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I always like got those two mixed up, but I remember both of them feeling very like, like the the teenagery version, like the PG thirteen uh, mm-hmm. allure, if you will, or whatever. As a kid, where you're like, these feel more grown up than maybe <laughs> I'm supposed to see. Yeah. Um, I don't remember Camp Nowhere quite as well as I want to. But I remember really liking Christopher Lloyd in it. Yeah, he's amazing. So. <laughs> Much better than I remembered, even. He's great. That is one that was one of those movies I really wanted to rewatch. I didn't like not to have on the list, but just to like mm-hmm. revisit it. Cause I I'll see the cover and be like, man, I remember laughing at it and I remember enjoying it, but I don't mm-hmm. really remember it. Um definitely want to recheck that one. <laughs> Well, my number five (laughs) is another one of those movies where as a kid, we thought it was like one of the coolest fucking things we'd ever seen, Uh, (laughs) especially in terms of toys coming to life. This was on a whole new level, like take a seat, Toy Story. (laughs) Sorry, Indian (laughs) in the cupboard. You would not be able to survive this one. Um I had a feeling that this was going to be on my list and I was like, I want it to be, but maybe it's going to be one of those where I remember it being way cooler than it actually is. And I'm going to rewatch it and be like, God, I hate this movie. Mm -hmm. Not the case. Small (laughs) soldiers is legitimately one of the most enjoyable, badass family films Mm -hmm. I think ever made. This movie is it's on a whole nother level, dude. I was rewatching it and was like the whole movie. I'm like, yes, yes. (laughs) That's exactly how I felt. So spoiler alert, it's on my list too. I had it about this spot and then I rewatched it. I was like, this movie is amazing. I'm moving it up. (laughs) It's it's so fucking good. It has no reason to be this awesome. But god damn it, I'm so happy it is. I'm like, I found myself not even halfway through. Like, it was the scene when when Major Chip Hazard and Archer first, like, see each other and interact. Mm -hmm. 
instantly I was like, I'm I'm a sucker for you know collecting my 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 member berry stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna have to add small soldier shit to my list of I kind of yeah. want to try and find uh some nostalgia collectible items for this because dude okay i know we're gonna talk about it when it comes up on your list but i have to say yeah when the uh war what is it good for song kicks on during the whole (laughs) like actual battle sequence i was like this is this is so much better than i remember it being Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. it really is ah small soldiers is so good good. all right we'll talk more we'll talk more okay we'll save i'll save my things for when i when i bring it up uh my number five is an oddly terribly low rated disney movie live action disney movie so in 1998 there was a little film with paul walker and he plays a twin brother with another gentleman who are surfer dudes who somehow end up being uh, park rangers at Yellowstone National Park. It's called Meet the Deedles. And (laughs) for the longest time, I thought that I dreamed that this movie existed because I couldn't (laughs) find it. I couldn't remember the name of it. I didn't know anybody that was in it. I just knew that there were these weird surfer dudes. And I remembered the cover of the VHS tape. The cover! was the two dudes with the big blue swoopy big wave blue hair. hair. <laughs> yes. yes. And uh, and then I finally found it maybe 10 years ago. And and I will say it's not that great of a movie. But it is <laughs> it is it's it's not even as funny as I remember, but it is a movie that I remember maybe one of the first movies that I remember laughing so hard at and also incorporating all of the like lines into inside jokes with my friends and the things that they would say the things that paul walker would say were fun little jokes it's very much in the same vein as like dudley do right or if Mm -hmm. they did like a live action rocking bullwinkle or yogi bear or something like it's all kind of those kinds of things and it's they do a good job um, I will say Dennis Hopper plays a disgun- disgruntled ex park ranger, and it's basically his his most notorious villain sense speed because he he's a he's not a disgruntled ex cop he's a disgruntled ex park ranger and he uses controlled prairie dogs to dig underground and disrupt old faithful old faithful the geyser before the there's like a big anniversary ceremony um it's it's very silly very stupid uh but it's kind of fun and this was one that was way more nostalgia than actually good um i wouldn't necessarily recommend it to anybody nowadays (laughs) but if if you're out there and you saw meet the deedles back in the day um you will probably still like it because it's it's good enough for your member berries to actually activate you know yeah uh, I never saw Meet the Deedles. I remember <laughs> wanting to watch it because the cover was so like stupid that yeah. as a kid I felt obligated to watch it. 
And I remember specifically being told by my parents, like, we are not watching that stupid movie. (laughs) And I never even knew what it was about. (laughs) Now I feel like now that you've reminded me of it, Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I, I owe it to to little 11 year old me (laughs) fulfill a lifelong dream (laughs) go watch meet the deedles i probably won't get around to it if i'm honest but i kind of feel obligated to so maybe maybe you can rent it in hd for 3.99 on amazon prime so i i saw that i saw that i don't (laughs) know if i want (laughs) to oh that's fantastic. Uh, that's one of those movies I feel like no one's probably really heard of or remembers. No. Because I don't remember it doing well. Um, I just remember that cover. Like, yeah. The hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I just got as in my 30s of, oh, their hair is waves because they were surfer <laughs> dudes. But as a kid, yeah. I just thought it was weird blue hair. Yeah, like I feel like that's the uh weird they are. Yeah, I feel like that might be a little bit of like Nickelodeon's fault or Cartoon <laughs> Network's fault because yeah, we this were could used just to be the characters what like they that. look like normally. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, uh, they have normal haircuts no. during the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. Well, my number four, dude, my top four mm-hmm. fucking difficult so (laughs) fucking difficult because any one of them could be up there or at least originally i thought that but then my dad helped like my dad was a big help with this list (laughs) um but my number four you brought up christopher lloyd in camp nowhere and being amazing yeah he's famous for uh doc brown as he Mm -hmm. should be as he should be but i feel like his performance as possibly the most gross thief who's just wandering into this nice little town in the movie called Dennis the Menace. Uh, I feel is so underrated and that is wrong on so many levels. I didn't remember him being in it. I just knew Walter Matthau was in it. Walter Matthau as uh, Mr. Wilson. I just... Oh yeah, Dennis the Menace is one of those movies. Sam, where he was scary. Your mom or your parents probably didn't want you to watch Dennis the Menace or read the comics because he was always getting in trouble and and being obnoxious, being a kid. Yeah, but kind of everything's like, you know, exaggerated. So your parents didn't want you to be influenced by Dennis. They don't want you to get any bad ideas. Right, right. Don't get any bad ideas. But the movie Dennis the Menace is one of the most hilarious, quotable films, I think, ever to come out of the 90s. And Walter Matthau is perfect in this movie as Mr. Wilson. It's just his chemistry with the kid is incredible. And I just, I, this was one of those movies I told my dad when I rewatched it. Not only can I still quote the movie, but I was able to like do laundry while quoting it Mm -hmm. and come back. And I was still on time with the scene. (laughs) That's amazing. I just, uh, it, 
it's such a great film because it's Dennis is so naive and innocent. Like he really is every like six year old boy mm-hmm. who's just I just do what I like think makes sense. I'm figuring stuff out, and it, he just causes the most ridiculous mayhem in his mm-hmm. path. But there was uh, there's an element in Dennis and Menace watching it that I was like, oh, this. The movie itself didn't hit the nostalgia for me. What hits the nostalgia is there's this whole sub story, very small in the film of Dennis and his two friends They're They have a tree house way out in the middle of the woods. They just hop on their bikes. They go build the tree house together. They do like these little kid antics. And that was the nostalgia for me of just like, mm-hmm. yep. I remember building forts. I remember just wandering, you know, ride your bike into the into the woods or whatever and hang out for an afternoon mm-hmm. or ride your bike wherever with your friends. <laughs> I just I was like this is I wish we could get back to that. I think we need more of that. Uh, not to get on a soapbox, but luckily I, you never came across a scary dirty hobo with a switchblade and an apple. True. True. <laughs> we never did. We never did. Um cuz he looks very I scary. will tell you the entire interaction between Christopher Lloyd, his character, the thief and Mm -hmm. Dennis, that is comedy gold. It is (laughs) perfectly written gags and it is like gag after gag after gag. Please find this movie folks. Please Mm -hmm. watch it. It is so fucking funny and it's perfect for family. Like it is a great family film too. It's got a ton of really cool family like themes in it, especially with like the neighborhood kind of stuff and the importance of being close with one another. I realized this in the movie, like the whole neighborhood knows each other. Uh Like they know they're close. They know each other's personalities. They know who to avoid or whatever. And I was like, I don't think any neighbor actually knows each other like they used to back then. Yeah. And that just might be because my environment is like, I think I've seen my neighbors, a total of three times in two years. So uh, yeah. I'm at, I'm to blame for that as well. Like I'm at fault, but yeah, to Dennis and Menace is so fucking good. It's so funny. It's just this movie <laughs> as an adult. This is also one that I'm like, I am still going to keep my childhood trend and just watch this movie a ridiculous amount of times. I'll probably be <laughs> like, 80 years old, still laughing at Dennis the Menace. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I hadn't thought about that movie in a long time. And just looking at stills from it, uh, I had flashbacks of how great it is. I completely agree. <laughs> I need to watch it again. Uh, my number four is the second movie on my list with Devin Sawa in it. He was in a bunch of shit when we were kids. And also the second Robin Hood themed movie on my list. So probably not the one you thought I was going to not pick. Not the one I was thinking, but I respect that. <laughs> I am choosing a weirder one that I watched all the time because like this kid, I was super into archery for a long time. And so my number four is called Robin of Loxley. It's a modern adaptation of the Robin Hood fable or mythology myth i guess um where this kid is was poor lived in kansas with his family and then they won the lottery 
and moved to Seattle. And then they sent him to a private school called Loxley Academy or something. His name's Robin, obviously. And then he, at the Academy, he meets uh, Will Scarlet and John Little, and they become friends. And there's a bully at the school, the rich uh, John Prince Jr. Um, <laughs> and uh, that is, of course, Prince John. And, and, and so through the, and uh, Robin is super into archery, but it's like modern archery and, and John Prince has like a private archery club that he won't let him join. And so they try to like form their own club and Maid Marian is, uh, she's actually played by uh, Sarah Chalk from Scrubs. She's like the horse wrangler's daughter and, uh, and john prince prince john he's actually uh joshua jackson like a really young joshua jackson oh shit <laughs> yeah and uh and it's actually a pretty good adaptation overall um they he has a kid that he met at school who like his house burns down and he needs a bunch of surgeries and so it's like a cross between robin hood and ferris bueller's day off because he has like all of these weird computer hacking skills I guess because his parents are rich and they bought him a bunch of technology and they're not home ever because they're off spending their money. And so he has like these, the ability to like change his voice and like match his voice to other people's voices. And he has the internet. And so he's able to like hack into uh, John Prince senior's company and transfer $5,000 into their like, like charity fund. And then give it to this kid who needs some surgeries and so that's his way of robbing from the rich and giving to the poor is uh computer hacking skills um if i you know was a more a kid that paid attention more i would realize that's not really half the robin hood story he doesn't rob from the rich <laughs> he, he just liberates the money people paid to the government in taxes and then gives them their money back um, because taxation is actual theft but that's not really what this movie is about. <laughs> uh, it, I've been waiting for, like since you mentioned the Adventures of Robin Hood. Like, I wonder how long in the episode we're gonna get between before the phrase "taxation is theft" is gonna taxation be said. is actual theft. I mean, it is, it is. Uh, but this I'm not movie, arguing. this movie is definitely a fun time, and it holds up pretty good. It's fun to see these actors. It's younger people. And then it's also, it's a good adaptation of like an old story in like modern times. I feel like they do all of the main things. They do the, the meeting of little John on the walkway and getting knocked into the water. They do all, all of the things, the, the good. archery tournament and the splitting the arrow in twain. They do all of that stuff. So it's, it's really good and really fun. Um, and, and romantic. It's a good movie for that kind of stuff. So holds well, you up. You can't have. You can't have a Robin Hood story and it not be romantic. That's like yeah. a pretty big part of the the mythos <laughs> of Robin Hood is him and Marion. That's the uh, weird thing about watching Devin Sawa in movies, especially. Um, I recently found him on Instagram, by the way, and we're following him just so you know because he's oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> he's a cool guy. But it's a weird thing because he was in a bunch of movies when we were kids before he was in um, the Final, Final Destination. Destination. Yeah. Before he was in that, he was in a bunch of movies when we were kids. And he mm -hmm. somehow was able to be the nerdiest dude ever, but then also always get the girl and be like kind of weirdly charming also. And so I I don't know if I 
was jealous of him or if I thought he was <laughs> cool, but maybe a little bit of both. I have mixed feelings as a kid for sure. All right. See, I remember him. I think we were all actually, well, it was either Wild America or Casper that I think our generation was actually like, oh, mm-hmm. Devin Saw was like a dude. But yeah, he was in a ton of movies that we yeah. grew up watching. I remember one he did for, it was like a TV movie, I think. Uh, it was called Night of the Twisters. Okay. And, and I remember really watching, really enjoying that movie. Um, it, it was, I mean, it's about tornadoes. So. Sure. <laughs> I got that. But. I yeah, I remember seeing him in everything and then being excited about like Final Destination when he was in that. And then I remember it, it's not a movie from our childhood, but more our teen years, uh, Idle Hands, which is one that I've been wanting to revisit. Cause I remember it being oh. like such a stupid funny Oh like, yeah. Yeah, his hand thing. gets like possessed or something like that. Yeah. 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 I recently saw like a still from this movie of like Seth Green's prosthetics uh, makeup and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that movie. Right. Like that's one that I was thinking, like, that could be an interesting one to revisit. Yeah. Uh, just just for shits and giggles. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> man, I never saw Robin of Locksley, but I remember that cover and I remember like the advertisements for it. I just mm-hmm. never saw it. Um, yeah, Devin Sawa in the nineties. It's kind of weird that we, we grew up watching him and Jonathan Taylor Thomas, like grow up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (coughs) All right. Well, I'm going to warn you guys. (laughs) My, uh, my next two movies share very, very, very similar themes. In fact, that's kind of the the focal point of my next two picks. Okay. Uh, my number three is potentially one of the most iconic films for our generation. Uh, and it may have been one of the most like traumatizing <laughs> for our generation. Okay. <laughs> but for some reason we were okay with it because well, I feel like we watched a bunch of traumatizing shit. So we're probably desensitized. Well, probably, but I feel like this one really, really kind of triggered, like, this one really hit the the head of the nail, right? So, yeah. my number three, man, when you watch Littlefoot and his mom, <laughs> it yeah. is intense, and I, I'm not going to lie, I kind of forgot just how like oh this is worse than bambi this is deep yeah Yeah. like bambi they just stopped drawing the mom like (laughs) oh well yeah land before time you watch his mom die like slowly and die while she's trying to give him advice to not just be like you'll be okay but it's literally she's like clinging on to tell him you have to like yeah, like you're gonna die if you don't continue this journey. You have to go yeah. find this valley. I feel like you <laughs> watch him realize that he's on his own now as well, and that's yeah, that's rough. It's very rough, but <laughs> he 
he meets like he bands together with this misfit group. Um, I will say I kind of have to agree with my mom on one part okay? because my mom hates this movie because of one <laughs> character. She hates this movie because of Sarah, the Triceratops, because Sarah has a tendency <laughs> to scream for almost the entirety of the film. And like watching it as an adult pitch girl scream. Yes. Yeah. And, and as an adult watching it, I was like, you know, my mom might have a point when it comes to the screaming. So it's, it's a little much. It's a little much. Yeah. But uh, this movie's incredible. Like, I don't care what anyone says. If anyone like tries to scoff at me for having this hour and 10 minute long little kids film like then you clearly haven't watched it because this is one of the most heartfelt like gut-wrenching intense children's movie i think i've ever seen like what the hell (laughs) were they thinking when they made this movie and the t-rex with his like blood red eyes and chasing him down like this is intense this is actually an intense film Uh, yeah i feel like every kid in the 90s understands how delicious a tree star looks <laughs> like yeah you know exactly what i'm talking about yes uh those tree stars <laughs> feel like i feel like i want a tree star but i i don't want to face the journey that little foot has to go through true uh but yeah the land before time this was one that i kind of was like probably the most worried that it wasn't going to be good mm-hmm. anymore. But it might just because I'm biased from my movies of my childhood or, or what we grew <laughs> up with. But I'm like, I think it's still not only holds up, but I think it might be better told than <laughs> quite a bit that yeah. has come out in the last few years. I, I think Land Before Time kind of outshines several grown-up films kind of along the same idea of like your journey the hero's journey if you will yeah Uh, yeah i think it's just what an incredible film absolute absolute incredible movie um Mm -hmm. i i think the part that's still just like i think it's one of the coolest sequences is when they're like in the weird cave area and the T-Rex has like been knocked out and mm-hmm. Sarah, the Triceratops is like ramming into him out of just spite. Like, you know, yeah. fuck you. We, we took you out with a boulder and yeah. as she's running up to him, they have that close up of his eye uh-huh. where he opens it up and her reflection is in it. Yeah. Oh my God. Like <laughs> great animation great animation like actual animation i yeah. i miss the hand drawn the hand colored like i miss that oh style dude of i was watching uh i was watching an instagram reel the other day of just like the landscapes from 101 dalmatians and how it's just yeah. like so beautiful and it's like a world that you want to step into yeah that hand-drawn 2d animation was just the best absolutely mind-blowing so this was one like even if it had sucked i knew it was going to be on my list but re-watching it i was <laughs> like not only is it definitely on the list but this is going to be a very high 
uh-huh. high pick for me. This was yeah. an obsessive film. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was great. Uh, when we had a kid, I was like going, I had a phase where I was like trying to find all of the old movies that I enjoyed as a kid. And I was like, Land Before Time, we have to get that. And then I realized there's like a dozen sequels to Land Before Dude, Time. There's like, so it, many. <laughs> I don't know even how many I saw. I probably saw like three or four. And I was like, there's no. No, way. I think there's like 12. <laughs> has yeah it seemed like there was for sure and there's i don't know if they're good they're probably not good but the first one is definitely incredible yeah yeah just to, i remember the second one being enjoyable like the second one wasn't bad if i remember right but they quickly turned horrible after that <laughs> yeah i lost the magic but even then like i that's one that i feel stick with that first one it's really all you need because mm-hmm. it, it's so I mean, it's bookend, like it beginning, middle, end. That's yeah. all you need in it. And it's just the score is so beautiful, which I completely mm-hmm. forgot about. I was like, God, have I fucked up so many of my previous lists? Probably. <laughs> but <laughs> I expect yeah. the score is a big reason why the mom's death hits you so hard. Oh, yeah. Because you just Her voiceover it. and everything. And yeah, dude, you know what part like really? I was like, oh, shit. Was when Littlefoot thinks that he sees her like in the distance and it's like the clouds. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I was like, nope, this was nope. (laughs) I was not prepared to cry today. (laughs) Yeah, I was not emotionally ready for this sequence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's brave of you. All right. My number three is small soldiers uh, not much higher than yours but quite a bit a little bit higher um it's it is also i think one of several formative stories in my life warning us about the dangers of ai and no shit technology. <laughs> like there's a reason that we understand how bad it is and i don't know why people don't get it because of movies <laughs> like this uh I also forgot how great the cast is. The starting out with David Cross and Jay Moore as like the guys that work at a toy company, and then they get bought mm-hmm. out by a military arms dealing company run by <laughs> Dennis Leary. Uh, phenomenal concept, phenomenal idea, and to just put these military chips in these toys and then have them come to life in an AI kind of way, take on their own form, but. Yeah, I completely agree that it's an incredible movie. I think that it's it it changes like it it gets out of hand so quickly. Like it seems like <laughs> yeah. it's cool at first. These kids are like, "Yeah, this is great," and Kirsten Dunst, young Kirsten Dunst, is so great in it. Um, but it gets out of hand and to a very extreme way. Like once these com- <laughs> commando toys realize that they need real weapons and they need chainsaws and they need fire and they need (laughs) explosives and stuff. And they're going to decimate buildings and destroy them and hunt down these other um, toys and the kids protecting them. I'm like, this is terrifying. And then they, one of their toys dies and then they take the chip out of him and then create like a Frankenstein machine to bring these Barbie dolls to life. And they're like Barbies, zombie Barbies. They're not Barbies because they they had to like rename them. I, oh, fuck, what do they name them? It starts with a C. Anyways, yeah. Uh, you, the Barbie sequence when I rewatched it, dude, I was like, "This is 
this is dark <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is kind of fucked up i remember it being that sequence in the movie when i saw it as a kid being like well this took a turn but watch <laughs> it as a grown-up yeah it was like this gets demented really yeah. really fast <laughs> yeah yeah i i was pretty impressed like watching it i hadn't seen it in forever and it holds up possibly one of the best uh, out of all the movies i watched for sure that's why it's so high on my list because uh, the quality is there um the, even the animation uh, you, you can tell even though it came out i think the same or it came out after toy story toy story was like yeah it came out in 98 yeah um so but so the cgi they do use a lot of cgi for it uh, and you can tell when they switch back and forth between cgi and robotics and um, yeah and practical effects but it 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 still definitely holds up still really really fun and and fairly deep not just a something to be aware of like the dangers of ai but also these these commandos are hunting down this like indigenous like native peaceful like (laughs) yeah peaceful uh guys and so yeah it's kind of like about the military industrial complex and and (laughs) and foreign military actions that are unnecessary and all this stuff i was like this is this is a wild movie for a kid's movie that's for sure (laughs) And, and then i couldn't help but have the thought of like oh yeah I guess this is another movie that Avatar fucking ripped off of, but that's for another day. Um, yeah, the list of that is very long. Yeah, I, as a kid, I had no idea. I remember thinking like, oh, it's so cool that Agent K is doing the voice of Chip Hazard. Like, it's Tommy Lee Jones. This is badass. Yeah. Um, as an adult, I found myself being more like, holy crap. Frank Langella did the voice of Archer. <laughs> they got Frank Langella to do a voice like mm-hmm. to be in this movie. <laughs> that feat is like yeah. good on you. Good on you. Yeah, I read a thing yeah. on uh, IMDb. They said they wanted they originally wanted the director wanted the cast whole cast of Predator to be all of the commandos. So Arnold and Shane Black and, and all of them. And that would have been amazing, too. But that would have been amazing. It works as it is for sure. Yeah, um, as awesome as that would have been to hear like Arnold doing the voice of Chip Hazard, because mm-hmm. that would have been that would have been cool. Yeah, you want to just Ventura in there? I I think I think Tommy Lee Jones, the way that he he does the voice is nope. That's that's <laughs> Major Chip Hazard right there. That that's that's yeah. the dude. Um, I I had to laugh. <laughs> and again, grown up eyeballs, right? Mm-hmm. So the kid convinces the truck driver to just give him a whole shipment of this stuff. And I was like, that driver's fired. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bub. That's yeah. your job. Um, but then I was like, how much are these toys? And they right. say at one point, like, we're going to sell them for $79.99. I was like, okay, $79.99 in the 90s. Like, 80 right. bucks for a toy. That was ridiculous. Still yeah. is. Yeah. But I was like, that means that means that this line, if released now, each mm-hmm. one of these figures would be like 200 bucks, And that's... Yeah. And the delivery driver is cool. like, okay, we'll give you a full set. So, like, one of each character, which is like <laughs> 20 characters. What? But like not just the car- not just the toys, but he gives him like the cardboard cutouts, like the marketing mm-hmm. 
like stance and everything. I'm like, this is the truck driver is just giving his job away. <laughs> but it was the 90s, so everyone's like, well, I guess shit happens. Yeah, we're <laughs> barely tracking things on databases and computers now, so yeah. it's all paper. We can just fudge the numbers. Yeah, Small Soldiers, I feel, is such a, a unique film for that time. Or like, it's just, it's kind of its own, just what yeah. a badass movie that seems to have, like, it came everyone was just blown away by it and it just kind of like vanished mm. it needs to come back and it does a whole stop up. trusting ai god damn it stop trusting ai <laughs> literally and yet how many times i gotta say it <laughs> it's just huh, people ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm so happy I, i'm so happy of all the movies that we could potentially cross over <laughs> from all of the different like honorable mentions or movies on our list. I'm so glad small soldiers is the one that we like. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this Random, was that okay. movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So my number two could easily be my number one, but mm-hmm. it's not. Um, this movie is potentially the biggest movie of my childhood potentially one of the greatest films ever made. I know Damn. you you have listed it as a near perfect film if not, oh. especially since it differs so greatly from its uh source material. Hmm. But Jurassic Park is ah. that movie is just such a standard setting film. <laughs> and as a kid, it it made its impression on me pretty heavily. Uh, yeah. And I'm proud to say that it, it did the same thing with my daughter. I, I think it's awesome that of all the movies that I got to introduce my kid to, that Jurassic Park is like, that's the one mm-hmm. that just completely like, yep, this is this is that movie. Uh, you know, our, our place is coded in Jurassic Park shit. Not right now. It's all Christmas, but um, <laughs> yeah, Jurassic Park is just it, it's a whole I think it's set a standard. I think it still has that standard set that very few films actually manage, especially effects driven films. Yeah. I don't think really even come close to matching what Jurassic Park did. Yeah. But this was a movie I wasn't supposed to watch it as a child. Uh <laughs> kind of conned my way into getting to see it. And then like most children who grew up watching this movie, when the Velociraptors came into the kitchen, we all finished the film from behind the couch. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Cause it turns out Velociraptors are kind of intense. Um, But yeah, this was, I feel like of all the Steven Spielberg films Mm -hmm. that we grew up watching, you know, ET, whatever. I feel like Jurassic Park is the one that made our generation actually kind of like, oh, Steven Spielberg made this movie. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we had Indiana Jones, you know, the original trilogy. But I feel like Jurassic Park was the stamp for us that made Mm -hmm. Spielberg Spielberg that made, I guess, dinosaurs cool for a lot of people. They were already pretty cool for me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's just Jurassic Park is so unique and it, it really is a damn near perfect film, if not just 
it it might just be perfect. Yeah, uh, I think the the shot with the Brachiosaurus when they first get to the island and they see it for the first time, the way the music swells up and when it tears the branch off of the tree and hits the ground mm-hmm. again, it's just like, is there a greater <laughs> like sequence, like revealing sequence? than mm-hmm. seeing the herds and that brachiosaurus for the first time. I don't think there is. I think it might be the greatest like yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah. There's so many great shots of of them. It's hard to choose one. It's, it's so very good. hard to choose. But yeah, this is this is that movie as a kid that just like I think it left one of the biggest imprints up until, you know, like my top ten which I was kind of shocked I didn't put this one on my top 10 or maybe I did and I just had a brain fart, but I don't care. It's my list. I'm allowed to do what I want. So <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, it, what an incredible film. It's fantastic. Absolutely. I think one of the best that's ever made, been made and can't be surpassed really. I completely yeah. agree. Um, okay. My number two is a weird one. Actually, both <laughs> both of my top two, I expect nobody will have ever heard of. Um, my number two is is a movie that's very specific to me for a handful of reasons that I'll get into, but uh, it's also really held up a lot more than I thought it would when I watched it, which is interesting. So my number two is ex- called Extreme Days, all one word, from 2001. Uh, it's from you, 2001. Wow. 2001. I was an older, older, older person, still a child, but an older person. And, uh, this movie honestly kicks ass. It's in a rated PG kind of way though. So it came out at like a perfect time for me. I was super into snowboarding, getting into skateboarding. And this movie oh, is shit. about, yeah dude this movie's about (laughs) four friends who do all of the like action sports together one of the friends is dante basco that you know from hook he plays rufio (laughs) it's got rufio that's how i know this one yeah uh there's a funny friend Derek hamilton he's you would know him as playpen from or pigpen from out cold which also came out the same year another snowboarding movie came out the same year and uh and these four friends, it's basically like a road trip movie. They just go around. They decide to go on a road trip together. And and the story is split up by these little sequences where they decide to go surfing. They decide to go ride motorcycles. They decide to go skateboarding and snowboarding and all of the stuff. They do the, all the action sports. Um, and then there's also like a love story when one of the... Um, one of the characters cousin joins the group. They need to give her a ride. And she kind of has a little, the, the main pretty boy of the group has like a crush on her. And the, the, the story is cute, but also fairly cliche. Um, but the, so the two main reasons that I love this movie as a kid, one was um, all of the action set pieces, skateboarding, snowboarding, motocross. They were awesome. Um, and really well film, filmed and edited, like legit great, like sequences. Especially for me, I wasn't really allowed to watch like actual skate company videos because they would always have like some sort of 
scantily clad women. Yeah, chicks in bikinis <laughs> or 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 getting into trouble or whatever. Um and so this was like a wholesome one that you could actually watch a cool skate sequence like it was the beginning of turning on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater or something like that. It was that kind of cool um sequence. The second reason is the entire soundtrack is Christian rock bands and pop Band, punk bands and like ska bands and all of this stuff like which is what i was like into at the time like all i could listen to at the time basically yeah. and so if you ever heard of like audio adrenaline and pax 217 and pod and newsboys and all of these people that's the entire soundtrack and if you're into like gospel hip hop, ill harmonics still fucking slap. By the way, I just listened to them yesterday. I was like, <laughs> "Damn, these guys are great hip hop artists." Um, but yeah, so you wouldn't know there's a Christian movie watching the movie, but it is actually weirdly a Christian movie. So I was like allowed to watch it a bunch, and I did watch it mm -hmm. a bunch because I loved all of the like skateboarding and stuff. Uh, but it's just a fun, silly road trip movie with these friends. They have like a kung fu sequence where they have to fight these other people for this camp uh campsite and it's like dubbed and sound effects and like it's just a silly kung fu sequence like you would it's like the kind of movie that i would want that i would make if i knew how to make a movie when i was that age like it's the perfect movie that i would make if i could and uh and that's why i like it it's it's fun it's silly there's a sequence in a dark room where they light their farts on fire it's just a really fun <laughs> funny movie and the jokes are funny the jokes hold up there's a lot of funny little quips in it so i still recommend it it's it's a good movie see that's so funny that uh <clears throat> derek hamilton did this which i, I was looking it up and yeah. yeah everyone's like oh it's like the mainstream kind of christian writing and comedy where it's not like preachy or anything but it's like it's like christian rock bands in the yeah. late 90s and 2000s um it's funny that he was in this and then he played pig pen in al cold where he's like stoner who's constantly trying to get laid and mm -hmm. he's constantly drunk and high uh, yeah so it's funny like oh, this is like got range I guess. It's, it's, well, <laughs> yes, but also it's kind of the exact same character, just toned way down. He's just, right. he's the weird eccentric guy who does in weird eccentric things throughout <laughs> the whole movie. And it's funny. That's awesome. I kind of remember it. I know I saw it um, mm -hmm. because like you, we were raised in pretty similar homes. Uh, that was one that was like, I feel like I watched that in a youth group one time. Probably, uh, yeah. But yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> the moment I was like, you said Extreme Days one word. I was like, oh, I feel like the cover was blue with the yellow writing. Sure yep. shit. Like, yep, that's the movie. Yep, I know that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. All right. My number one. Some might say this is a little bit of a cheat. So okay. Jake, I, I hope I hope with some of the grace that I've given you where you've done like full <laughs> franchises for one pick, you're gonna yeah. be like I did. You'll allow it. Um my I'm dad brought up a mood, good so point. I think I will. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh 
my dad brought up a good point where he was like, you know, you've watched all these movies all the time. I was like, I know he goes, I mean, you still watch movies all the time, but like as a kid, it was <laughs> a lot. I was like, yeah. And he goes, but there was something that you watched more often than anything else. And I was, you know, okay. And he goes, but I, they weren't like feature length films. Mm. It's like, all right. He goes, I don't know if that's going to count. I'm counting it okay. because my childhood would not be the same, would not have been what it like. All the good parts of it would not be there if it mm -hmm. had not been for Mo, Larry and Curly. Oh, yeah. And then sometimes Kemp. the three stooges, all of their short films, which that's how they're listed. So I'm going with the technicality. They were released yeah. as short story films. I watched those excessively and any chance I could, I was watching the stooges mm -hmm. to the point where like at work, I still have found myself a couple times watching the stooges on my lunch break because they're just fun. They make you feel good. And the slapstick is so perfect. Yeah. It, all the gags are just perfect. You know? So you had a 1930s pick. <laughs> I have 1930s. God, we couldn't be more alike. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, that style of comedy, especially like those kind of short story, like the short films that they did or the serials. Mm -hmm. So unique because back then all of their stuff was played before like the actual feature length film. Mm -hmm. um, and then they did have like a couple actual like hour and a half, you know, 90 minute films, but those didn't, didn't feel the same. And the Stooges kind of proved that like, you don't need to try and like, keep going and going and going. Like this yeah. is perfect where it's at. Yeah. It's just, that was when my dad told me, remind me of the Stooges. It was like, that was the thing that just made my brain like, <laughs> like, oh my god he's never been more right ever but yes the stooges was my obsession as a kid and mm -hmm. we just did our top 10 comedy and i and with Ernest and all that too where we were talking about like just leaning into the stupidity and that mm -hmm. was like the kind of humor and i know i had a handful where it was like this was a movie that and that's all true but the stooges Mm -hmm. man that was like this is the root that's what you gravitated towards and that's what you connected with and that's perfect but this this is your root right here this is your yeah. foundation for comedy so yeah everything that's, that's ever made me laugh i feel has sprouted from the comedy of the stooges so the three stooges yeah. is my number one yeah that's <laughs> perfect and yeah i i will never talk badly about the stooges they are indeed the foundation of of my comedy as well that whole <laughs> that whole I, I just have so many fond memories of watching all of the shorts and watching all of the, yeah the watching them like back to back and being like and then i was definitely into curly more i was a curly yeah, guy yeah. and then nothing and against shemp shemp is I hilarious like shemp. But it was definitely odd when he would show up. I'm like, who is this guy? And then, <laughs> right, and like, then you watch him. I'm here? like, 
yeah, he's actually really funny and I really like him, but he's still also not Curly. Curly's great. Yeah, Curly was, I mean, Curly's OG, so mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's a big part of why we connect more to the Curly shorts, but dude, the sound <laughs> effects, the gap, yeah. I mean, the way that they like choreographed the jokes and the slapstick and the Mm -hmm. The destruction of the sets and all the physical comedy is just like, good God, for a <laughs> 20 minute short film, mm -hmm. they pack a lot into it. And so some of the best ones they did were like joking about real world shit. So one of the funniest, I can't remember the title of it, but it's the one where Mo is essentially Hitler. And what <laughs> makes it so funny is like Mo was Mo and Curly were Jewish. Okay. All three of them are Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's playing this like Hitler style character who <laughs> wants to conquer the world. And it's him and other world leaders. Like they're sucking on a gas pipe, a natural gas line instead of their hookah. <laughs> they use the globe as like, that's the world they're conquering, not mm -hmm. the actual world, but the globe. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a pool ball. That's a bomb that everyone's trying to like, not let it blow up. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It's That's just fantastic. so perfect. It's so perfect. <laughs> yeah. The, the Stooges are are the originals, the original gangsters of the whole thing. So absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Uh, my number one is not necessarily my one number one because it's the best. I'm going to be frank here. It is my number one because I watched it a lot. And I also, for the longest time, couldn't couldn't find it again didn't remember the name of it and i sounded like a crazy person when i tried to describe it to people i would be like there's a movie it's kind of like it's kind of like never-ending story where this kid is sucked into this mystical world but when he gets there there's these kangaroos that know kung fu and they're all like related I fucking to know this movie elements of like earth and wind and fire and stone and all this stuff. i know this movie <laughs> yeah and so there's a movie from 1997 called warriors of virtue and yes. that's absolutely exactly what it was it came out at a time when like mighty morphin power rangers were huge and and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live action movies were huge. And so it's like that. There's these men in these suits that are basically kangaroos, but they go to this like mystical world called Tao and they, and they, well, so about this kid, this kid that is like the normal world. And then he learns about this secret world and gets sucked through a drain, kind of like uh, the Super Mario Brothers and ends up in this mystical world. And these, these warriors of virtue know how to fight super well and they all have each one represents a different element like fire and stone and air and earth and all this stuff but then also they represent a specific virtue like i don't even remember what all the virtues are even though i just watched it but the it it's kind of adds a little bit more depth to the characters in the sense that it's not just like fighting the whole point of the movie is that um that they, they in this world like there's a serious consequence for killing like killing is really bad and one of the characters has killed someone before and so everybody kind of shames him for it but then also in their culture or religion or whatever you 
also physically or spiritually like lose a part of yourself if you've killed someone. And so they kind of use that to defeat the villain because the villain mm -hmm. is like the, the villain is Angus McFadden, <clears throat> McFadden and uh, he plays like he's inexplicably goth for some reason, but he's <laughs> trying to like use their energy or resources or whatever to like um, to fuel himself and gain power and all this stuff so overall it's 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 not a good movie honestly somehow it's worse than the masters of the universe movie <laughs> <laughs> like in style and set design and story in every way except in the fighting and that's what i kind of realized watching it is that um i will sit through and enjoy pretty much any amount of nonsense if the fight choreography is good and from that perspective, this movie is good. The fight choreography of these, uh, uh, like kangaroo dudes, is really, really good. And uh, that's absolutely the entire reason why I watched it over and over and over. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of the story overall, not so good. I also just learned this week there's a sequel that came out in like 2002 uh, that I have not seen, so I cannot comment on it. But I did find it and will be watching it just to see what it's like. Dude, the the second one has a 3.6 on IMDb. Oof. Oof. And for a second, before I clicked on it, it said Kevin Smith was in it. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it is not that Kevin Smith. It's some other dude named Kevin Smith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's amazing. I remember this movie. Not well. Um, <laughs> I remember thinking it was cool, like a cool concept of Kung Fu kangaroos. Like yeah. cool in a, like what a stupid choice, but I'm for it because yeah. kangaroo looks cool. Well, like the logo looked cool for the movie. Right. Plus I wasn't one to judge it too harshly because like I loved movies like Three Ninjas, which mm -hmm. was about three like 12 year old kids who fight gangsters mm -hmm. um because the fbi can't yeah so anyways because um, they learned karate they <laughs> absolutely they know how karate. yeah but i remember warriors of virtue i remember my mom didn't want me to see it because like my folks weren't too sure if it was aligned with like the the christian values or whatever because yeah. it seemed kind of new agey there's uh, like but, magic in it, but it's it, like, yeah, it's all good morals, basically. Right. I remember when I finally did see it and thinking like, this isn't good, but feeling <laughs> like I like it because I was previously told I couldn't watch it. And now I am watching it. And now mm -hmm. it's like cool because it felt rebellious without actually being rebellious because <laughs> God to be a kid um right. <laughs> yeah i remember that movie <laughs> yep <laughs> i was watching the trailer while you were talking uh -huh. and there's a shot in the trailer it's like the first kangaroo warrior that the kid sees yeah and they shoot that shot where he's like looking down at the kid and all i could think was "Ooh, that kangaroo mask is like not symmetrical it looked kind of 
off a little bit like who no <laughs> yeah yeah there's some of that for sure but it's also because he's been fucking flipping around and doing his fighting right. and, like, and our, they're very talented performers inside of there doing those moves but yeah it, uh, it yeah, definitely yeah. does get wonky but as a kid you're not going to give a shit about that because it just looks cool exactly. it just looks cool exactly that's awesome that's <laughs> awesome all right what an two people go watch these movies like seriously if you're art if you're art if you are from our generation i'm sure you know of the majority of these films if not all yeah if you're not kids these are great films and they have a lot to share so go go introduce yourself to some a whole different style of movie that's one thing these movies all have very like aesthetics to a very specific yeah. <laughs> like aesthetics to them so it's good you should introduce yourselves to them uh, yeah that was most of the like nostalgia for me is just revisiting that aesthetic i think mm -hmm. oh man all right so what so honorable, honorable mentions, mentions do you have yeah uh, don't worry i'm not gonna narrow it down um the bear which i've brought up before uh yeah there's a movie called the bear we talked about it when we did our um fuck what episode was it was it the, the <laughs> we talked about bart the bear yeah the edge. and bart the bear yeah the edge um the bear is a film that it's about a bear cub it's live action it's mm. in nature who is kind of adopted by this male Kodiak played mm -hmm. by Bart. Uh, and it's just, it's about this, this cub just trying to, cause his mom is killed in a rock slide and this cub just has to figure out how to survive kind of on his own, but not really. Mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit of like human element in the movie. It's pretty short. Uh, but this movie, The Bear, was was a pretty prominent oh, film in my childhood. Uh, it, it's got some pretty intense sequences, but the the scenery, the cinematography of it is so beautiful, and the relationship between the cub and and the male is really really cool. Just how they like film these two animals interacting because it they're real bears, mm -hmm. so very cool to watch them interact. Um, Check that one out if you can. Uh, I brought it up just a little bit ago. Three Ninjas is such a <laughs> specific family film, 90s child's, I guess, glory idea of being a ninja, being like this badass. Oh, yeah. Uh, who can do flips and awesome kicks, but we really can't. Um, and then another big one for me as a kid, dude, was Turner and Hooch mm. with Tom Hanks. That was a huge movie for my childhood. Yeah, uh, it was so close to being on my list, but it, it got edged out because my dad kind of destroyed what I had on the list previously. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Turner and Hooch was one of those like there was a handful of uh, reluctant cop or reluctant dude is kind of forced to adopt or take care of a, a dog. And 
obviously they're going to become best friends and become like super loyal to each other. This is one because Hooch is this beast of a pup who's the witness to a murder. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Tom Hanks is the cop that adopts a dog to protect him essentially to help find a, a murderer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great movie though. Great movie. It's classic Tom Hanks style comedy. So can't go wrong there. Yeah. Classic nineties. Is that all? Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it there. Okay. Short list. Um, I, well, <laughs> Uh, I, I had a hard time, like you mentioned over since this afternoon, I've thought of three more that I probably should have had on my list. So those kind of start out my honorable mentions. One is the wrestling Hulk Hogan movie that I think I remember most, which is thunder in paradise, where he's like a Navy seal mercenary guy. Um, there's another one where he like is also a commando, but he like helps kids. I don't remember what that's called, but I watched a lot of Hulk Hogan. That's movies. one that I remember. He's like yeah. a nanny, isn't he? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's called. So, um, yes, I, then, I know I saw those. As far as like animated movies, I was super into Five Goes West because it's all about like cowboys and stuff. And uh, yeah. the American Story movies with about this little mouse named Fievel. Um, the one where he goes west and and meets the dogs and they do the lazy eye that was like my favorite <laughs> i love that movie um and and uh and john cleese is a really great voice in that movie also actually and then while you were talking about the bear i remembered that i watched this movie all the time when i was a kid called the adventures of milo and otis which is oh my a, god a, it's a similar movie about a live action filming of this dog and cat just getting stuck in this adventure and uh and in these random situations narrated by dudley moore and and apparently i've heard allegations that they like didn't take care of the animals at all and they put them in all these dangerous situations and there's probably a lot of animal abuse um i think it was filmed originally in japan and I've heard that a bunch of the cats died, but I don't know if that's true. So there's a oh, little shit. cloud hanging over that one since. But when I was a kid, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> right. Um, and then Space Camp was a huge one. I wasn't a huge like space nerd, but just the concept of these kids, they go to like the the Houston launch pad and like as a school trip end up accidentally getting launched into space and then have to like figure out how to get back to earth with their teacher. That was a fun one as well. So I, I think, Uh, uh, I think I'll leave it there. I I looked it up because I had to find out. Okay. Uh, It was Mr. Nanny. Mr. That Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And he plays a former professional wrestler is hired (laughs) to be the bodyguard slash nanny for a couple of bratty kids whose inventor father is being stalked by a rifle. <laughs> That's watching right. the preview. Watching the preview, I'm like, oh yeah, I loved the hell out of this movie as a kid. And then you look at the rating and it's at a 3.8. And I'm like, <laughs> that probably tracks, but yeah. the trailer alone is making me laugh and smile. So I feel like I'm going to call bullshit on that rating. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> completely agree there was something i brought it up earlier 
I thought of like 20 more, not really, <laughs> but a couple more honorables, but I'm not going to go that route. I brought it up earlier with the like, there just seemed to be these sets of movies in the 90s and they kind of deserve to be honorable mentions, but not not necessarily for the nostalgia, but just to be mentioned because this was like a thing. Mm-hmm. And I know some maybe some younger viewers are probably like, what are you talking like? It's hard to explain how certain movies were just collectively known and rewatched by so many households and not just in the household. Like we would find ourselves watching them in school several times or at friends house. Like it was weird how this just happened, Mm -hmm. but we didn't think anything of it. So specifically I was like Apollo 13 was Mm -hmm. this movie in the nineties that just, I can't tell you how many times I ended up watching that movie. It just seemed Mm -hmm. everyone constantly wanted to watch it in school or at people's houses or like at a movie event in town at the library or some shit. I rewatched it because I was like, well, maybe I'll put that on the list just because I was a big rewatch. Yeah. That movie's intense. It's super intense fucking intense i hadn't watched it in a long time but i was like this is this is like prime ron <laughs> howard right here this is incredible mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so i'm pretty sure like we had the the double vhs tapes. yeah <laughs> but it, it was just like, like that was a big thing that just kept re, like coming to mind prepping for this episode was just that time period for us was so unique and yeah movies like apollo 13 i mm. remember even the 10 commandments the one with uh the cecil b demille's 10 commandments that huge four hour epic yeah with whether the... you were like in a religious home or not everyone watched the 10 commandments i even watched it in public school yeah like yeah it, charles was... Heston was huge back then yeah, is it was just weird thinking of movies like those two, specifically those two, mm-hmm. just how everyone seemed to always know these movies, always watch it. It didn't matter what time of year. I mean, obviously, Easter time, Ten Commandments was like, this is when we're really gonna play it. <laughs> um, but I, it just like just that idea or whatever it was, that phenomenon, it. Mm-hmm blew me away and i was like man i haven't thought of that and i really don't think it's happened since remember the titans where it it just seemed everyone was like on board with it um i kind of miss it i I miss that i miss that yeah yeah (laughs) so i felt like that that paired a little weight um but i think that's good i think that's good i really wonder what that was like why culture was able to kind of connect to those things in a more personal or more universal way that we all kind of shared that i don't feel like we have that really anymore i mean we kind of have like things that come on that are event things that everybody's talking about like when the new stranger things season comes on or or something or i feel like there are things that are at least short-lived for that period, but it doesn't seem to be kind of everywhere. Like you'd go somewhere, you're like, "Oh, I can't believe you want to watch this. I can't believe you want to watch this." Or, "Oh my God, Mom, they have the Apollo 13. Can we watch Apollo 13 again?" 
<laughs> right. Like, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah. It, for as many taboo or I guess, quote unquote, inappropriate movies that came out in the 90s, mm-hmm. I kind of was thinking like, I feel family movie nights was a bigger thing yeah. back then, which is ironic to say. <laughs> because we're part of like that last little generation that we're on our own, like eighties kids and nineties kids were essentially on our own mm-hmm. a lot. But like yeah. the family movie night thing was like, that was a thing that was like families made it a point to, yeah. okay, we're going to, you know, go to the, the video store and we're going to rent like one or two movies and that's our night. We'll have popcorn yeah. and dinner and that's our night. One for the family and um, then one for the grownups when you go to bed. Right. <laughs> right. You get the kids movie and the grownup movie and and that's that. And the grownups will fall asleep during their movie because it's too late at night. All right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just prepping for this episode, dude, got me really thinking of like how do we get back to that? How do we get back to like, not to sound preacher or whatever, but the family movie night, like I kind of feel that's an important thing that families should try to, I'm sure, I'm sure there's millions that do, but it feels Mm -hmm. like no one does it anymore. Cause everything, everyone's attention span is so short. Yeah. And everyone's like, or everybody's I just, I, I, doing their own things. They're texting their friends. Yeah. They're on the internet. They're all, it's not so much like there's nothing else to do. So we're all going to sit down and have a, have a family movie mm-hmm. night together. So it just, this one triggered like, and I, and I feel like it was a positive light or a positive thing to be triggered on, like recapturing a, a family movie night <clears throat> kind of tradition thing again. So I was like, mm-hmm. My daughter better be prepared. I mean, her and I kind of already do it, but uh, yeah, I just, that was that the biggest is- takeaway from this for me was just how do we get that back? Cause that was a cool thing about mm-hmm. kind of the culture back then that I feel is gone. Now. Yeah. I feel like there's so many things <clears throat> that everybody from our generation would be like, I, I, this is a weird thing about getting older. Like when you're a kid, and you hear your parents or your grandparents, and they're like, oh, back in my day, it was so much better. You're like, okay, grandpa, we get it. Like, you're so <laughs> But now I'm that age, and I'm like, no, seriously, in the 90s and in the 80s, everything was way, way better than it is now. And I, <laughs> right. I am analyzing, like, how do we get back there? Why was it better? Like, how can I make this little piece in my house that nobody else can touch better, even if I can't make the whole world better? And yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, what I'm trying to figure out. And it's things like that with like family movie night or whatever. It's like, yeah, there are just pieces of it that were more intentional, more personal, more isolated and, and simpler, I guess that mm-hmm. there's so much value in that so much peace in that. And I want to bring that back for my kids and for the next generation so that they can have that they can, it would be so great if they could go out in the woods and build a, a fort and 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 <laughs> right. not have to worry as much as people are worried now. If we could go back to that, that would be great. It'd be amazing. Um, so that's that's our little wholesome uh, soapbox moment, I guess, folks. Of like, <laughs> how do how do we capture that? 
You know, how do we get back to a simpler kind of mentality or approach? I think it's because there's almost too much content or too many things around us. Uh, Because I remember like for us, it was always you watched. I I don't know about your household, but mine was like we would watch Jeopardy and then Wheel of Fortune. And -hmm. if it was Friday nights, it was always TGIF. Mm -hmm. Right. You'd watch the family shows and then bedtime. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then on like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Those were like the family movie nights because that was the new release nights yeah. at the at the dollar or at the video store. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just things <laughs> to ponder on, things to. <laughs> <It's>... Yep. <laughs> yeah. Now that we're adults and we're in our control of our lives, and we also responsible for young people, we need to figure out how to make it good for them. I guess <laughs> that's the burden just... of growing up. Just a skosh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this was. Fun. Oh, man. Really, well, thank really you, folks. This. Um, this was good. I can't believe it's like 23's like done. Like yeah. we're on the very, very tail end. This is like the epilogue of the year, essentially. Uh, yep. Last episode crazy. of the year. And uh, we're going to do the movie draft after this. Get psyched. Get prepped. That's true. Uh, you <laughs> might win and you might not win. We'll have to wait and see. I can't believe I'm saying it, but come on, Wonka. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that will be very interesting. So yeah, we'll do I, we'll do a re- recap of the 2023 next year, next week, next episode, whenever we're doing this, and then uh, look at the big movies coming out in 2024 as we draft them. Yeah. For this next year, that should be exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully I don't get bit in the ass again and we have another monster hit like fucking Barbie ended up being. I did <laughs> not expect that one at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. But good on you, Barbie. Good on you. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, another fun thing that we talked about. So yeah, go join the giveaway if you haven't done that yet. And then also... If you're on Instagram, we always post a bunch of fun and silly things there. And also, we're talking about doing our own award show this year. So because the Oscars are being really silly, they've been silly for a while, uh, we're just kind of over it. So we're like, you know what? We can do better than this. So we're going to be coming up with some categories, some legit categories, and then some silly categories. And then also sharing them on like Instagram for people to vote on their favorites. Mm -hmm. And then we'll do a whole uh, award show kind of choosing the best and worst of the year. Um, And I'm sure Barbie will come up in that conversation. So (laughs) that it should be fun. I think, I think the Oscars are in March, so it's a couple months away, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been kind of over the Oscars for a a little while now, a little while now, I'd say. So (laughs) yeah. All right, folks, thank you again for everything. Um, go follow, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Keep keep spreading the word. We appreciate the hell out of every one of you. Uh, yeah. Go get your swag. We, we got some awesome, awesome shit in our merch store, so go check that stuff out if you feel inclined. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the big important thing, just make sure you subscribe, like, and start the conversation or join the conversation. Yeah, uh, tell us what your, your favorite project childhood movies are um also tell us like if you did the family movie nights i'm kind of curious to know how many people actually like did this kind of thing so let us know 
And I guess that's it. See you guys next time. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone.